Welcome to The Future Belongs to Creators. I'm your host, Barrett Brooks. I'm the COO at ConvertKit. My co-host is our CEO, Nathan Barry. We're on a mission to help creators earn a living, and this is a show about turning anxious energy into creative output during times of uncertainty. It's The Future Belongs to Creators, episode 37. I'm Barrett Brooks. This is Nathan Barry, and today we're going to talk about how, when, why, if to quit your job and go full-time as a creator. But before we get there, two important things today. One is it's time for checking in on the world. But before we do that, as we always do, we need a little red, yellow, green. So how are you doing, Nathan? I am green today. And we've had a lot of conversations as a company. We're right in the middle of all of our leadership meetings, our planning, you know, this big six-month check-in. And, uh, we had a lot of hard conversations yesterday and the day before, just really digging in, giving, oh, well, receiving a lot of feedback and then like figuring out what does that mean for, for us? Where do we go from here? I've processed a lot of that. Now it's on to the action side. And so I feel green today. I went on a run this morning. I talked to you for part of that run when I realized I am a ways from my house and I still haven't taken a shower and we're starting a meeting in 10 minutes. And so I was like, well, I'll call Barrett, you know, return his call while, uh, well, running. So hopefully that wasn't too weird of an experience for you. Yeah, I'm great. What about you? I do think that was the first time we've ever talked while one of us was exercising. That might I be. Mean, not, not like while one of us on the phone, you know, whatever, you know. Yeah, what I mean. we've definitely both exercised together and had yes, conversations. That is true <laughs> for sure. Um, let's see. Today I'm green. Uh, we got a little bit of, you know, overcast, cloudy weather here in Portland, which is typical for the spring. I found myself on my walks recently feeling like wanting to really love this season because spring is one of my favorites. Like Portland yards are fantastic. People have so many flowers and everything. Everything gets green. You get a nice mix of sun and rain and cool and warm. And so it's my favorite, but something, you know, something about the current environment has dampened that a little bit. It's made it less enjoyable this year because I don't know, I guess it feels like we're confined to our little four block radius here in terms of getting exercise. Um, And normally we'd be like right in the park next door and all of that. Mm -hmm. So that's just an interesting thing to notice and and call out and move on from. But yeah, overall, I'm good. I'm excited to continue our uh, conversations with our team and also excited about today's topic. It's It's a big one. It's an important one. It hits on something that I think is really personal for a lot of creators, especially who want to be full-time creators. And um, hopefully we can give some good perspective there. But first, let's do a little check-in on what's going on in the world. Yeah. So, um, I mean, various things, overall numbers. The numbers are now so large that you can't relate to them in any way. So it almost doesn't feel useful to check in on that side. I think what is useful is to check in on the cases per day. You know, at least in the United States, you're still... 20,000, am I saying, is that right? 20,000 cases, new cases per day. Yeah. Over, over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's in that, that ballpark. And so it's weird. We're talking about numbers so big that I'm like, I've got to be off by an order of magnitude, right? Nope. Nope. I'm, I'm not. Things are starting to open up a little bit kind of awkwardly here in, in, uh, Idaho, which is interesting. Like I'm noticing the roads get a little bit busier. Hillary and I did our go get takeout, sit in the park, you know, date night that we've done for a couple times this quarantine. And the park was a little busier, mm-hmm. not like there's still barely anybody out, you know, it's like, there's those people over there and those over there, but 
there were there were a few times where I was like, we were literally the only people in this entire park. And so now it's like, well, the weather's warmed up, but it's gotten a little busier. And I also just have the thought of like, okay, I think I have to be more cautious now that like <laughs> everything is opening up. Right. Or at least really watch those, uh, like two weeks from now, watch those cases per day numbers. And so I have to, like, you have to remember there's a disconnect between, okay, no, you know, not very many new cases today. And so opening up is good. And you realize, nope, nope, there's a lag measure on that. And uh, so give it 14 days and then see. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, we're in this interesting spot where we're realizing you can't stay closed forever. I mean, yeah, I guess you could, but it's incredibly harmful. Uh, I mean, I th- saw predictions today of the EU entering its worst recession since the block was created. Um, even depression kind of language being used to describe mm-hmm. what should be expected. And so there's a lot of merits to the the arguments to open back up, um, at least in limited ways and get some of the economies churning again. And this is, this is still potentially a long-term thing. You know, I was having a conversation with a good buddy who's a creator the other day, and he said, he was reading about what a lot of us have read about, that the fastest vaccine to market, like mass market, uh, was four years. Doesn't mean we'll be in this for four years. Doesn't mean we can't go faster. It's just past data is often reflective of what's possible, unless there are scientific reasons why it can change. And so we're, um, you know, the like year, year and a half timelines to a vaccine are are the very fastest. Like right. if you apply the physics of making a thing and the process required to have approval, that's the fastest that we're talking about. And so I think what we're entering into is this new phase where we're gonna have to figure out what does it look like to scale up and scale back in terms of access to resources and people going to work and all of that. Um, So it'll just be a personal decision. What's your your risk risk tolerance and what are you willing to, to do there? Yeah, for sure. One thing that helped me was, I'll share this New York Times article, I don't know, it's part of their interactive site. So I guess, you know, you come across these things and you're like, is this an article or is this way more than an article? Um, and I can drop this in the chat, but it gives the breakdown for any metro area. So it defaults New York City, but you can come in here and plug in something else. And I, I plugged in uh, Boise specifically because even, you know, like Idaho is a big state. Yes, most of the population is in Boise, but it's spread out really far. And so I want to see what's going on in my city And uh, this was interesting to be able to see that breakdown, see that trend over time. And then they also show that like, okay, new cases in the last two weeks, we're at 335th. This is where you want to be low on there. But then you're also seeing like, if I lived in Iowa, I think I would feel pretty similarly safe as I do in Boise. At least I would have in the past, right? Of like, oh, you know, it's, it's not like New York, it's spread out. And so you can see that like, okay, no particular city is safe, no... Uh, nothing like that, but you can at least see where you stand for that exact uh, metro area. So I'll drop that in the chat. Yep. Love it. Okay. Let's dive in. Um, we've got a good crowd here today. Thanks for being here. Uh, all the regulars, Emily, Keshna, uh, Teddy, see some new faces too. Howard, welcome. Thanks for being here. Um, Noah, good to see you too. Uh, the chat's open. If you want to chat, feel free to jump in there. We, uh, we will occasionally answer questions live. And if we can't get to them live, we'll do it on Fridays during our Q&A day. Let's dive in. I thought we could start with, uh, we've both quit jobs before, both done it to yep. become creators. Um, I thought we could start with just a quick version of our stories of quitting. And then uh, I want to get right into um, kind of why we quit our jobs, what our reasoning is as creators, and then different ways to go about it and how we would kind of recommend making that decision as a creator. So I don't know if you want to kick us off, which is kind of your quick story of quitting. 
Yeah, sure. So my quick background is first got into web design, um, then got into building web apps. I guess the first thing that I had to quit in that sense was that right in the beginning of 2009, I was freelance doing freelance web design and I couldn't get any more clients, right? I was fairly new to it. I had had a good first year and then I couldn't get more clients. So I took a job um, with the one client that I still had and they're like, hey, come on full time. And that ended up being really great. Um, I stayed there for almost three years, two and three quarters. I built up an income on the side doing, I stopped doing freelance work, but I got into building iPhone apps and I had that going. So I was making a few thousand dollars a month off of iPhone apps and I was just saving all of that money. We didn't need it to live on. Um, I was making 60, let me think, $64,000 a year as a designer. And so, you know, if you think about uh, $3,000 a month, that was basically 50% of my pay that I was then also getting on the side. So it was really good to save that and, and put it away. I had thought about quitting and I knew I wanted to go out on my own again for a long time, probably for nine months before I actually did. And I started saving aggressively for it. And then what happened is the company uh, didn't close another round of funding that they planned to. They had one big customer leave. It was like a, a very heavily venture funded startup. And so then they started doing layoffs. And after the first couple round of layoffs, I didn't have a design team anymore, but I still had a job. And I thought, this is this is the time. I need to I need to leave and go out on my own. I can make up this other income, like this income gap between my products and my salary. I can make that up with uh, some consulting. And so then I quit and went out on on my own. I would have waited a lot longer if it hadn't have been. Uh, for that, the internal nudge of the company going from 90 people to 25 or something. So I'm actually pretty grateful for that nudge because it really was the right time. And maybe I should have actually left, say, six months earlier. Yeah, love that. On my end, I was working, I mentioned this yesterday, I was working for Ernst & Young as a management consultant, uh, kind of first job out of college. It was one of those coveted type things where everyone wanted to be a management consultant after you were going to business school. Why, I will never know. And if only <laughs> I could talk to every business student who thought they wanted to do that. I had been there for, I guess I was there not even a year really um, before I started realizing, okay, this is not what I signed up for. Right. We were doing this project for a big big client, big fortune 500 client. I was sitting in the ground level of their kind of like, it felt like a control room almost. It was dark every day. I had my little cubicle with our team. It wasn't quite in the strategy realm where I was trying to work. It was almost in this like overlap between consulting and risk management. And so we were helping them track down missing documentation that would support audits in the Middle East and North Africa. And so we'd go like call their managers in the Middle East and North Africa and literally go through a spreadsheet of just thousands and thousands and thousands of documents. And then when we were done with that one, there was another spreadsheet. This was consulting. Now, what was cool was I figured out that if you could just standardize the reporting formats coming out of all of their AR, uh, ERPs, which is a whatever resource planning tool, tech tool. They have yep. like 12 different ones from acquiring all these companies. If you just standardize the format, you could track them all down even more easily. So then we sold that as a project and they gave me a team. and I was managing that <laughs> as this like recent grad with way too big suits that I didn't understand should be tailored. And anyways, <laughs> I love I, that picture because yeah. I've always thought of you as good at like, you, you know, you, your fashion's on point. And uh, so I like the idea of Barrett fresh out of college wearing too large of a suit. 
Oh yeah. One of the first times I learned that I needed to get it together was this senior manager I worked with. Oh man, I can't remember her name. I can picture it. It doesn't matter. She said, you know, next time you buy a suit, you should really get it tailored. Okay. I don't know what that means, <laughs> but I will look into it. <laughs> Anyways, I went to this camp called Camp Horizon over the summer and it serves abused and neglected kids. There's the, it's a great program. It really felt meaningful to me. Middle of the week, they had just hired a new executive director. The chairman of the board walks into our staff meeting and says, hey, we fired the executive director. She's a bad culture fit. We realized halfway through her first week of camp, we're now looking for someone from this camp family to take over the camp. And in that moment, I knew I had to do something else with my life because in a world where I could be doing the work I was doing and someone else could be running this camp that was incredibly meaningful, I could not reconcile the two. And I thought about mm -hmm. applying to that, but I had been exposed to Tim Ferriss in college and Chris Gillibo and Pat Flynn and all of these people early on. And I was reading them from my desk at work. And so I had these ideas starting to churn and really without a plan within a month after camp, I quit my job. I had a little bit of an idea of what I wanted to do, but not a big idea. Mm -hmm. And so I just said, screw it. I've got, I think I, I was making $58,000 a year, maybe in that first job. I had five or six grand put away and I was like, okay, this will give me a little bit of runway. And I quit. And I went up to my parents' mountain house in North Carolina by myself, spent a month up there. Fun fact, I read the entire Bible in a month. Wow. I, why that That's was where I started, I have no idea, but I just wanted to clear my brain. I was going to do that. And then I was going to write and I was going to come up with a business idea. And so that was how the whole thing got started. So I, I start there with our stories because we've both been through this and with very different decision-making processes and very different paths forward. So the first thing I want to highlight is why are you wanting to quit your job? And I think there's two very different reasons to want to quit your job. One is you're running away from something. Mm -hmm. I think I was very much running away from something. I did not want to do that work anymore. And I knew that. Another is you're running towards something. You're running towards a creative idea, an outlet of this like feeling or urge inside of you that you've got to make stuff in the world. There's a big difference there. I, I'd love to know what, which one you felt more of at the time. Um, I felt like I was going running towards something, but you know, I, I said how I think I stayed too long. There was elements of things I was running away from. And rightly so, because I went into that company with so much drive and I could code really quickly. I could design really quickly. I really would pride myself on how much I could get done in a given day. And that was amazing. By the time I left, I think my productivity, like just my ability to produce and create was cut in half, maybe. My skill was much higher, right? You can't go three years in a challenging position without having a lot more skill. But I think because of the mindset of a lot of people in the company, I distinctly remember people sitting around the pool table complaining about how they didn't get paid enough. You know, and you're just like, wait, what? You're currently getting paid and we're not working. We're, we're on break for like an hour. Right. So, you know, I had that mindset where in three hours I could do three hours of work. And if I totally checked out and like studied web design and coding and all of that for the other five, I could keep up with the whole team. And that really did me a disservice because I did damage to my ability to create that took me maybe six months or a year to rebuild. And so it'd be easy for me to say that like, yeah, I was running towards something. I had this idea. I wanted to build iPhone apps. I wanted to consult. Like this is my dream to do it on my own. And that's all true. But there were elements where I was like, I, I got to get out of here. I 
you know, so maybe two thirds running towards something and one third, you know, running away from something. Yeah. The big difference here and the reason we start at why do you want to quit is that I think it can really affect where you end up. Mm -hmm. If you're running away from something, I think it makes it much more likely you're going to run yourself right into another situation you want to get yourself out of. Whereas if you're running towards something, you have a vision, you know what you want to make, you know who you want to make it for. I think there can be a lot more clarity about next steps to take. And you can have a, a much clearer path to go from where you were to where you hope to be someday. Now, what I want to say up front is it doesn't mean if you're running away from something, you can't quit. You totally can. We're going to get into some of that, but I think it means you need to be really careful because very quickly, one of the first things you have to do is you have to transition from I'm running away from something to, okay, I ran away from it. I now have freedom and I need to figure out what I'm running towards. And only when you know what you're running towards, which is a little bit of what yesterday's episode was about coming up with your business model and knowing where you're going, only then can you really have a hope of replacing your income and making a healthy living. I want to get into some scenarios. We've got kind of four quick scenarios for when you might quit. Uh, And I want to run through those real quick and give the brief pros and cons of each. So let's start with uh, the first one being quit now, figure it out later. (laughs) I would say that was my approach. Quit now, figure it out later. So so pros and cons there, Nathan. Yeah. So that's the... uh you know, actually, this is what my sister did. And we both worked at fast food. We both worked at Wendy's at one point. And she, you know, we had this manager that was totally a pain. I have a higher tolerance for dealing with people who are obnoxious and, you know, maybe a little bit unethical and stuff like that. Like I just, I was younger. I didn't know what I, and she, she at one point was like, all right, I'm done. You know, she clocked out of her last shift. She did wait until the time she should clock out and, you know, gave them the notice and moved on. And that, that's really tempting, right? When you're in that situation, things are, you know, you're dealing with a coworker, you're dealing with a boss. It's all, it's rarely a coworker. It's pretty much always a boss. What's the, what's the phrase? People, <laughs> People don't quit companies. They quit managers, managers or something like that. Yeah. 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 I like that. I could go there and you immediately know what I'm talking about because it's so true. And so that's so tempting to do, but then you can end up doing yourself a huge disservice because then you're not in a position to say, okay, what am I moving towards? What is my best opportunity? And then you're, then you have to scramble to find the next thing often, not always, but often you have to scramble to find the next thing and you don't set yourself up for success. Yeah. And one of the the biggest cons that I found with this approach was that I felt like I needed to be chasing the next dollar all Mm -hmm. the time. I couldn't be guided by what I wanted to create. I couldn't have patience. I couldn't afford patience for building an audience and taking it slow. I had to have the next dollar. And so what that ended up looking like was in many cases, actually applying my consulting skill set to small businesses and doing consulting work, even though um, I quickly did come up with what I wanted to build, which was kind of career coaching, career guidance for students. Bad business idea, but that's for another day. But I would be making money in the short term from consulting mm-hmm. projects, from doing marketing consulting and, and process consulting. Like I was working with an all state agency to help them streamline their sales processes in terms of how they got new, co- you know, like stuff like that is what you end up having to do to right. just earn a living. And now you're not just not doing what you set out to do. You've just built yourself another job you're beholden to because you got to take care of yourself. So I would say one of the instances where this is a good approach is if you have a lot of money put away Mm -hmm. and you can give yourself a patient runway. So two, two things, you know what you're running towards, 
even if you are running away from your job, you know what you're running towards mm -hmm. and you have enough runway, let's call it, I would want to see like 12 months of runway. You can afford 12 months of living, but six, something like that could be fine. Yeah. And I would say that's the stripped down, like maybe not your current budget. That's like the, okay, yes. I can meet my bare essentials for this amount of time. Yeah. And that gets us actually into kind of the next scenario, which is quitting when you reach minimum viable income. I really like, really like this concept of minimum viable income, which is that stripped down budget. So I think of it like we structure our budget with giving, saving, and investing right at the top, take that off the top. Mm -hmm. Then we have our fixed expenses, the mortgage, you know, insurance, the things that aren't going away. And then we have our variable expenses. That's our food, our eating out, our dog budget, our whatever, yep. um, things that are more flexible, the nice to haves. That whole category, most of that should probably go away. That's not part of your minimum viable income. You got to basically pay your rent, cover basic medical expenses and buy food. And that's it. And not fancy food, not go out to eat all the time, like groceries at home, like we're doing right now. That's what a minimum viable income is. And so that's a different way to approach this of waiting till your business gets to your minimum viable income and then quitting because you know, you've got infinite runway from there, mm -hmm. even though it will be painful. So pros and cons there. Yeah. I think, you know, one is that it takes longer. And so there's a satisfaction of like, oh man, I just want to quit this job. You see friends, you see other bloggers talking about it, right? It can be really, um, really difficult to be in that position, right? Of reading the Chris Gillibos back in the day or all these people. And you're like, all these stories of people quitting, they're all taking this leap and here I'm not. But there's, a, as you touched on, there's a lot of advantages to it. The thing that I like about it is it gives you a point in time where you're going to quit. It's not like I'm going to quit and go in on this when it's less scary, or when outside circumstances change, it's like, okay, uh, I need to make $2,211 a month. And at that point I can, that's my minimum viable income or whatever it is. Right. And you're like, when this gets up there and maybe I hit it two months in a row, or I hit it in any kind of predictable way, then like I'm out, you know, and then with more time I can, I can do more of these things and then you don't push it off for too long. Yeah. It's very motivating in that way. What I like about it is that I think it's especially good for people who have responsibilities to other human beings. Mm -hmm. It's really tough. It's a lot, it's maybe more burden on your partner, your spouse, your family, your kids. Um, it can be a bigger burden on them sometimes when you start a creative endeavor. And so what I like about this is the family's agreeing this is what we need to survive. And when you get there, you can go all in. And so you're providing them some security while also knowing you have a fixed point you can get to before you can hit the release button and then go over here and chase the dream of whatever it is you want to be creating in the world. I think that's a great point that it's often more or just as stressful for the significant other in that, you know, they don't want to be the person who's like telling you, no, don't pursue your dream. This idea is dumb. You know what you should do? Sit in a cubicle eight hours a day. That's what you should do. Nobody wants to be that. But also, you know, I think of Hillary who's married to me. Like, I'm a dreamer. I'm like such an optimist. This is totally going to work and all that. And someone has to represent that other side. If you as the individual, as the optimistic creator, aren't going to, then like they have to be the one to say, hey, can we? What can happens we sure when this doesn't work? Like yeah. When do we get to hit the eject button on this if we're not feeling it, you know? Right. What's what's our plan from there? So minimum viable income really says, okay, I'm going to wait till I have traction. And one thing that I like is that frustration at work or from the job, you can channel that 
it's not always the healthiest thing to channel frustration into creative output, um, but I think it's productive and certainly for a period of time. And so you can channel that into excitement and results and like motivation to put in the work in order to hit that minimum viable income. And then you don't end up doing it for too long. Right. Like if you tried to do that for years, that's like, that's not a good recipe. But if you try to do it for four months, five months, as you're like, okay, we're getting close, you chip away at it each time, you're, you're going to be in good shape. Yeah. I also like that you have to get clarity on how you're going to earn money first. And that's one of the greatest benefits of it. So first two scenarios are quit now, figure it out later. Secondly, quit when you reach minimum viable income. Third is delay quitting to some future date because it feels super scary and terrifying. Uh, this one is surprisingly common. Yeah. Uh, this indefinite future wherein you will uh, quit your job at that point. Pros and cons here. Well, I'm, I'm having trouble coming up with pros. It's just <laughs> not... Uh, it's not a positive thing. You know, what made me think of it is if it's some future date and if you specify what that future date is, that could be a pro. Yes. There's a show that I've been enjoying watching uh, called Madam Secretary uh, and it's on Netflix. And uh, anyways, she's the secretary of state. She has this personal assistant who's phenomenal. He's a great personal assistant, but he needs to level up. Like he needs to take his career to the next level. And uh, so just, she picks a date and says, on this day, a year from now, I'm going to fire you. <laughs> and he like freaks out when he's like, I have all the time in the world. And they're like, what am I going to do? All this stuff. And it goes all the way up to the day. And, and she's like, sure enough, she fires him, <laughs> you know, and he ends up getting another position in the same department, of course, blah, blah, blah. But I think you can really do yourself a service by saying, this job is not for me. And I'm going to give myself a year from today or six months or two years or whatever it is. You know, you know your own skills and your own abilities, but picking that and saying, it's not some future date. I'm going to give myself until this date and then work on it to that and give yourself a deadline because then, you know, you might have a lot of things to figure out and you can give enough time, but then you're like, not this constantly like, yeah, yeah, next year, next year I'm quitting this job. Yeah, totally. And, and what I would add to that is on that date, these things will be true. Yes. I will have a website. I will have a business partner. I will have income, whatever your version is. I will have made my first product, right. whatever. I think that's really powerful compared to some indefinite future date because the date never comes. Mm -hmm. there, it's in a lot of times when you're in that mode, you know, when the day comes, when you don't want it to, right. when someone else gets to choose because someone else's they know you're checked out. They know that you're not bought in when you're thinking, ah, I'm going to quit this job eventually, but it's making good, making me good money. And that's definitely not the day you want to wait for. Okay. Last scenario. Don't quit at all. That sounds kind of weird, but for some creators, this is actually mm -hmm. the best option for them. Some people have a job they like. They have a creative endeavor that doesn't directly apply to their job and that they want to exercise that muscle for and they want to enjoy. Maybe they even want to earn a great outside income, but um, it just doesn't make sense for them not to have a job because they enjoy it too much. So pros and cons here of having a job and kind of a side hustle type situation. Well, I think that you can get a lot of creative energy and put that into something where you can create something really remarkable in a few hours a week if those are the few hours that you have. So for example, I was really good at building iPhone apps, like 10 hours a week on the side. Once I quit and I had 48, 50 hours a week to do it, I think I produced like 30% more output. It was not substantial. I was like, what do I do with all of this time? 
And so, you know, first I would say, I don't know that your, that your side hustle will actually be better if it's your main hustle, especially if you enjoy your job. So that's like a personal question. Try to understand that about yourself. When you've been given complete freedom and autonomy in the past, how have you handled it? You know, do you thrive in that environment or do you go, actually, I need some structure. Can someone please, you know, I need some accountability. Can I get help? Because if that's you, don't feel bad. That's all of us to varying degrees. So I would keep that in mind. The other thing is I was talking to a friend, um, you know, we talked about there being kind of this new privilege uh, in this pandemic world, right? Of whether your job can be done at home, whether your company is doing better or worse in this environment. And so he's working at a company that's doing better in this environment. And uh, he was starting to to think about moving on. Um, you know, he's, he's got a side hustle that um, is getting some traction. And I encouraged him, hey, in this environment, and if you've got a, if you're at a company that's on the upward trends and it's a good company, like stay there, give it three months, give it six months, give it a year, save up a bunch of that money, but stay for now because there's such an uncertain environment ahead of us. I don't know if this is going to be a one or two year recession or a four year, five year depression. And so it's just like, get yourself in a really good position. So yeah, that's kind of my, my perspective. Sometimes don't quit at all or don't quit now is, uh, the right idea. Yeah. I love that. Um, okay. Well, let's each pick one. If looking back at our own experience, how we would do it today, if we were going to do it, and uh, then we'll move on to the next section. My pick I think would be pick a specific future date and a set of criteria. Mm-hmm. And so I will quit either when these criteria are met are on this date. Uh, that way it gives you control over setting your own criteria. It sets a date. So you have that pressure, that positive momentum towards an accountability system. And uh, my criteria would be, I have a public website published. I've been publishing weekly for at least three or four weeks running, um, whatever my creative outlet is. Um, I have my first product for sale and I've made my first dollar. Those would be the four things at a minimum that I would do before mm-hmm. quitting my job if I were doing it over again. Yeah, I think I'd go to that minimum viable income. Again, I think that's where I feel the most comfortable. I'm not a like, let's take huge leaps. You know, I'm, I'm in the, let's, let's do it in a predictable way. Let's get the highest likelihood of success. And that's where I feel most comfortable. And so that's what, what I would push for, because then I know that my ideas are validated. I know that I can make money at this. I know that I've got a bit of an audience. And so I would probably set two sides of that. The minimum viable income would be a very stripped down number, right? If I'm spending $5,000 a month or $4,000 a month to live, my minimum viable income might be $2,200 or 25, right. you know, it's not like the current budget. It's the really stripped down version. Um, and then I would set a minimum audience goal because if I can effectively grow my audience, I know that I can uh, really effectively earn a living. And so even if it's 500 subscribers, I would have both of those targets. Love it. Love it. All right. <laughs> I started laughing at myself just a minute ago. And for those of you who listen every day, you know why. Boo-ba-doo-doo-doo, creator of the day. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Um, all right. My creator of the day. Uh, his name is Moise Ali. I'm probably saying his name wrong. Um, he's in the e-commerce, uh, direct consumer space. If you know the deodorant brand, um, native, uh, he built that, sold it for right around or over a hundred million dollars. Crazy story, incredible executor. 
one thing that I love about him is he just shares all this stuff on Twitter talking about uh, behind the scenes, real numbers, building the company, everything else, Facebook ads. He built, I mean, they were a very small team, not fantastic margins, but insane growth. Um, so he's been really fun to follow on Twitter. Uh, he's also got a podcast that uh, he's been putting out with some of the crew over at The Hustle. Love it. Uh, my creator of the day is one of our ConvertKit teammates. Um, her name is Haley Janicek. She has paired up with, um, I actually don't know her business partner's name, but business partner, and they launched Happy Happy Houseplant, which is a really fun Instagram feed, and it'll become a wider business as well over time. But um, they've got a thriving community. They help you raise healthy, get this, happy houseplants. Hey, um, but I really enjoy following them on Twitter. I'm obviously a big houseplant person. You probably know by now or on Instagram. Sorry. Um, I'm a big houseplant person and, uh, they help me do it better so that I'm not so nervous about killing my plants. Love it. Do you have a resource today? I don't, I don't today. I'm sorry. I slacked. That's okay. That's all right. All right. Well, as we wrap up, I think the most important thing that we want to leave you with is to just know your why. Are you running away from something? Are you running towards something? What is it? Define that. Spend time sitting with it. Everybody knows what I'm going to say here. Journal. <laughs> you know, no surprise. You know, but actually dive into that more than just the surface layer. You know, so if a friend was asking you, uh, what do you want to do in your career? And you're like, oh, I, I want to quit my job and do this. Why? Oh, because of, okay. Why? Well, be, you know, Why? Yeah. And then that's the point where you start to get annoyed and then you have to like really dig in and find the real answer. Yeah. Um, a lot of listeners have probably heard of that, but the five whys exercise, it'll get to the heart of anything really fast. So I love that one. Yeah. And so I would say, uh, whatever you're running towards, whatever your goals are, those can change over time, but it's really important that you have them defined and you have it in a way that you can write it down and say, you know, on May 6th, 2020, this is what I was after. This is what I was pursuing. This is why I was doing it. And then check in on that later. And just get specific about under these circumstances, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to do it to go do this and to pursue this business model. So that's all we got for today. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Future Belongs to Creators. We're the makers of ConvertKit, where we're on a mission to help creators earn a living by building software that helps you build an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. To start building your audience with a landing page and to send emails up to 500 subscribers for free, go to landingpage.new. That's landingpage.new to get started with the free ConvertKit account today. We'll see you next time.